Hey everybody, welcome to another Courtside with Beanless and Tennis podcast. We are privileged to have with us on tonight a guest that grew up in the northern suburbs in Illinois, had a really good junior career where he achieved a ranking in the top 15 nationally in every age division, ranked as high as number one in the Midwest, held that position throughout his high school career, placed six in the USTA National Clay Courts competition in doubles. He was a USTA National Doubles champion. All of these accomplishments earned him a scholarship to play at the University of Illinois. After playing collegiately, this guest then turned his attention to coaching. He has coached players such as Rajiv Ram, Raven Clausen, and Tim Smichek, and now currently coaches Allison Risk on the WTA Tour, where Allison is currently ranked inside the top 20 in the world, along with Dominic Kepfer. Please welcome to the courtside with Beanless and Tennis Pod, Coach Billy Heiser. Coach, how you doing? Hey, good. Thanks for having me on. So, uh, we always talk, we know tennis is such a long season. Uh, we're, we're getting to the end here. Where are you currently at and uh, what have you been doing? Yeah, I've, I'm home here in Tampa. Um, just enjoying a little break here. Our season just ended um, with Allie and Dom. I was over in Asia the last about six weeks and um, came home for a few days and then went back with Allie for the year in championships in Zhuhai. And uh, now just relaxing a bit in Tampa. Got it. Playing some golf, I'm sure, right? <laughs> Playing a lot of golf. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna get into um, we're gonna get into talking about Ali and and Dom a little bit later. But before we get into that, um, you know, a lot of people around you know you come from a tennis family. A lot of your family are, are tennis coaches. Tell us how uh, you all got started in the sport. Um. I'm not sure how, honestly, I'm not sure how my dad got started, um, and my uncles all play, um, and a lot of our, 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 like, my parents' best family friends, who um, I call aunt and uncle, they play, and, and I remember starting young, like, just watching my dad and all of them play at, um, his name was Tom Trainer, Tom and Leslie Trainer. they had a house in the northern suburbs of Chicago, and a bunch of their friends would all get together on the weekends and play tennis and kids would hang out in the pool and I'd always just be out there watching them play and I think that's where I started to play eventually and that's kind of how I got into it. Do you have memories of not playing? Yeah. I mean, I played all sports growing up and I can remember playing baseball and soccer, hockey, um, and then I kind of remember... It was around when I was 12, I, I started to focus more full-time on tennis. Got it. And, I mean, again, I listed a lot of your accolades up in the intro, and you had a very, very impressive junior career. Um, traveled quite a bit as well, which um, yeah, so, so cool an experience at that stage. And, you know, that led you to staying in-state, University of Illinois. I know you're still yeah. close um, to some of the guys there, some of the alum, and you're still close with, with the coaches as well. Talk a little bit about staying in state and your collegiate experience at the University of Illinois. Yeah, for sure. I was um, lucky enough to have the Fighting Line. I'd be such a good tennis school and somewhere where it was really nice for me to be able to stay close to family. Um, it was... It was very unique being recruited there because I, I was recruited by Craig Tiley and the year that um, well, the year I went was the year that Craig left and um, Brad was named head coach and so I, I played for Brad Dancer um, and I still talk with Brad um, once, twice a week still and he's a big 
um, mentor of mine and someone that I, I continue to bounce ideas off of and um, I, had, I had a great time playing there I, I can't say enough about what that program did for me and what it what it still does for a lot of um, players that, that play there and, and either leave into the business world or turn pro um, after being there for sure now was coach dancer the assistant there when you were being recruited by coach tiley i think he was technically an associate head coach at the time okay so you did know coach dancer a yes. bit even though he wasn't yeah, the head coach so you you did develop some type of relationship so when he was named the head coach it wasn't like oh god this is totally starting all over again Correct. okay no, no, I, I knew i knew brad quite well and even going before Brad was even there, I knew Bruce Burke quite well, and, and Illinois was kind of always on my radar from when I was pretty young, and um, so, so I, I knew that's somewhere where I, I really wanted to go. And it's really, and I, I talked to Coach Dancer quite a bit, and I know it's really important to him that he keeps the alum and everyone who's played for him and even before him, like you said, involved in the program, and, and he does a tremendous job. There's so many guys that have graduated from the University of Illinois who are still so in tune with the program. It's pretty special. Yeah, for sure. It's cool as well out on tour. There's a lot of us out there that I get to see a lot. I'm still very close with Kevin Anderson. Get to see him pretty much every week. Um, with Ken Kinnear now taking over um, and having a, a big promotion at the USCA and being involved in player development more. Then um, you go as seeing Alex Vukic out on tour and, and, and playing some of the bigger events. Um, there's a lot of guys that are just you know, kind of still out there that obviously, you know, I've, I've coached Raj for a long time and, and continuing to work with him and support him. So it's really cool to see how many players and, and people come through Champaign and, and have, are making a mark in pro tennis as well. No, for sure. So so let's kind of talk, talk about your transition into coaching. Now, I know um, you coached a lot of really good juniors locally in, in Illinois. Yep. What kind of gave you the the urge or maybe the jump or what was the motivation of actually not so much staying just locally and you played with some of the top top juniors in the state but pushed you going on tour how did that all come about and travel with um professional tennis players yeah so i started coaching right when i finished school um i had met my wife um in college she was doing a study abroad here she's from london and um we had met in Champaign, and I, I kind of just fell pretty much right away. And I uh, needed to figure out a way I could earn some money and get an apartment, and you know, make myself an appealing boyfriend to someone who's going to move across the world for me. So I started um, just honestly. The first player I started coaching was Brian Page Jr. and um, started with junior and it kind of just grew from there and I had a little tennis academy going on in Chicago and, and grew to quite a few players and at, at that point I think I was I started to have a couple players get to number one in the country and it was at the Winneka Challenger where I was watching Tim Smichek play and, and Tim and I had been best friends since we were probably 10 years old so I just kind of, we were watching one of his matches and I just told him a couple of things that I saw and ideas I had and, and he offered to see if I wanted to help him out from that Winneka Challenger through the U.S. Open as a kind of a trial and I had no experience working with that caliber of player so I agreed to do it um, for free. He just would cover my expenses and so 
we went through uh, Winneka Challengers that first week of July. So we went July through you know end of August, beginning of September through the U.S. Open, and um, he ended up doing quite well, and it kind of just took off from there. No, that's that's super cool. So you know, you talked about your girlfriend, now your wife. Yeah. With the constant travel, um, how does that all work? Does she get to go with you on some events? Does I mean, there, are there long periods of time where you're not together? How does how do you guys work on all that? Yeah, um, yeah. She she also um, she's a wedding photographer, so she travels for work, and she's very successful in her own right, and is very busy, and and so she has she's very independent, and has her own business, and and. I'm lucky that she's not just, you know, at home, you know, waiting for me to come back. She's got a lot going on herself, so it, it, it's able to make us being apart a little bit easier. And with that, she's also able to come on the road quite a lot as well, I, I think. Yeah. This year she did, um, let's see, she went Doha, Dubai, Indian Wells, Miami, um, she came to Rome, Nuremberg, Paris, London, U.S. Open. So was that nine wow. events, ten events? <laughs> I mean, some of those places are, are where people go for their honeymoons, and that's like some of the benefits <laughs> of traveling on the Pro Tour. Um, you've, yeah. you, you go to numerous places that people would uh, die to go on their honeymoon with. So super, super cool. Yeah, so it, it's nice that she's able to come with, and she has the flexibility to travel. And I think this year was probably the most that she had been on the road with us um and then there obviously are like for example this last trip when i was in china i was in china for two weeks um she had actually left the week before i left so i was home for a week by myself where she was gone at work and i went to china for two weeks and i've been home now for a couple of weeks and she still isn't back yet for her trip so this time this stretch has probably been it's gonna be about four or five weeks where we won't see each other and that obviously is you know it's tough but it's we both love what we do so we're willing to make that sacrifice and it makes the time that we have together even even better so it's it's something we both really enjoy no that's so great that both of you guys are independent have your own careers and and one like you said love what you do and it makes that separation a little bit easier and um for sure. you make it work that's great so yeah for sure i want to kind of go into um coaching certain of your players and you've had experience coaching a lot of guys and recently well it's not so recently now you've been working with allison for a little while now and you've had some incredible success with allison and allison again we said um, the intro here she's top 20 in the world and i want to kind of talk about your experiences coaching men versus women and you know from my perspective i don't think it's so much coaching men versus women i think it's coaching each individual on its own because you could coach two men and they could be totally different and you can coach two women and they can be totally different um what have your experiences been like you know your experiences coaching some guys versus coaching some of the girls is there do you treat it like that or i'll let you kind of run with Uh, that a little bit yeah so just finished up second year with Allie, and um to be honest Allie's the first female i'd ever coached before so the first year was um a little bit of a learning curve for me just in terms of the, the tennis standpoint, but I told Allie when we first had our initial um, kind of meeting to see if we were going to be a good fit 
um, I just told her I wasn't going to treat her any different. I was going to treat her like I, I have always coached and I wasn't going to change how I coach. And I don't, um, I think I have a pretty strong belief in a philosophy that I have and, and those core principles don't really change, but I think how I communicate them and how I deliver them to the player changes, like you said, depending on how, how they need to be delivered. Like every, everybody learns differently, everyone concentrates differently, everyone likes to be communicated with in certain ways and, and kind of learning that and, and getting on, on the same page with your player is really important and just because it's a male or female doesn't change what you believe in as a coach from from what your you know foundation is but the I will say there is a difference in men's tennis compared to women's tennis just from a purely tennis standpoint there is a difference and that did take me a little bit of time to kind of navigate and get a feel for and this also works vice versa we've seen you know Amelie Moresmo have success coaching Lucas Pui Moresmo was also successful with Andy Murray so it it, yeah. it goes it, it goes every which way again I think you're coaching the tennis player as opposed to coaching a man versus a woman and like you said your philosophy your core beliefs what you believe in that really shouldn't change um, whether it's a, a male or female tennis player. So I appreciate no, you, you it, sharing that. Yeah, no, it doesn't. And, and I don't think it, I think that goes at, at coaching at the pro level, I think in any sport comes down to a lot more about getting the players to perform as consistent as possible. And in order to do that, they have to have a really high compete level. And so you need to work on, how to make them better competitors and, and make competing and dealing with high stress and high pressure situations a little bit easier so they can they can go about trying to play their best tennis as consistent as possible and that how you deliver that message doesn't change just based on male or female right 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 so Alice, Allie had an incredible 2019, and, and everyone knows she got to the quarters of Wimbledon. She knocked off the number one player in the country, Ash Barty. She obviously enjoys grass. Did you see that? Did you see those results coming as far as obviously, you know, when you look weeks out, the draw's not out yet or whatever, but did you see that she was starting to play some really good ball and she could be dangerous with whoever she would face in the draw? Um. Yeah, it's it's weird. I I have felt that way about Allie for probably the last year. I would have to say she probably only felt that way about herself. Um, I'd say maybe a few weeks before Wimbledon, she started to see it and, and believe in herself a little bit more. Um, and so I've known she's had that after I got to see and be out on the on the WTA tour and, and, and get to know a lot of the other competitors and get to know the level. I, I knew what Allie was capable of, and it just um, maybe took her a little bit more time to believe in herself like I believed in her. And um, a few weeks before before Wimbledon, she started to, uh, started to play better and, and feel more comfortable and feel a little bit more confident. And... Um, that first match at Wimbledon was against Donna Vekic, and it's a tough draw for both girls. I'd say both are probably top 10 in the world on grass, and to play each other first round was tough for both. But um, I think once Ali came through that, had a pretty good good feeling for um, how she was going to do there. So let me ask you this. She's now top 20 in the world. 
you do have your off season now. 2020. Have you guys talked yet about goals and certain things you're going to be focused on going forward, or is that still a couple of weeks away before you start, you know, training yeah. for 2020? To be honest, we we haven't spoken about anything specific. I think we have a. Um, Honestly, I'm not huge on putting um, a goal like top 10 next or something like that. I, I'm, I'm more into trying to get Allie to do the right things every day to the best of her ability and, and kind of just see where it takes us. I think having a number goal or, or a ranking goal is fun and it's something to you know look forward to and, and, and be happy with when you accomplish. But I think the biggest thing is... Um, just trying to lay it all out there every day and, and kind of see where it takes you. It's all, all the all the best coaches. They're also process based as opposed to outcome based, which is what it should be. Because honestly, Allie could play her best tennis of her life, and if there's ten girls that are just playing better than her, that's not. And she doesn't get top ten. That doesn't mean she's had a bad year. She's done everything yeah, possible sure. she can. So, no, like sure. you said, just every day. Let's get a little, we'll lay it all out there. Let's get a little bit better each and every day. And then the ranking, the wins, the titles, that all takes care of itself. So, yeah. And I think it's important they, you know, players have a realistic belief in themselves. And if they need to attach a number to that, then attach a number to it. But that can't be what defines you. Understood. Understood. I, I do want to talk about one other player that you've been involved with um, for a while, and that's mm-hmm. Dominic Kepfer. And I know a couple of people on your team have um, helped be part of the coaching team as well. He had an incredible run um, at the U.S. Open. He made the round of 16, and he put a huge scare into uh, eventual runner-up, Daniil Medvedev, losing in four really, really tight, um, tough sets. Talk a little bit about Dom, if you can. Sure. So Dom is... Um, Dom's got a heck of a story, and I hope... Uh, I hope one day people um, can learn a lot from it. And um, so I started working with Dom about three and a half years ago after he graduated from Tulane, he moved to Tampa. Um, and I started working with him then. And at that time I had um, Christopher Williams was um, working with me and, and helping with Dom. And um, Dom and, and came, came to Tampa with without ever playing a professional tournament had zero ATP points, um, had to start at getting wild cards into qualifying of $10,000 futures. And um, three, and a half late, three and a half years later, he's, you know, he had that great run at the US Open. He's, I think he's around 85 in the world right now. And, um, and again, kind of similar to Ali, finally starting to believe in what he's actually capable of. Let's kind of talk a little bit about that because you and I, um, it was about, I would say, I don't know, about maybe eight weeks ago from the recording of this podcast, we kind of went back and forth a little bit on, on Twitter and we were actually saying the same things. I was agreeing with you. Um, you know, you talk about the belief and the difference between 350 and 100. And I was kind of, the, I was kind of making the facts of, look, 350 and 100 there's such a little difference. And you kind of said, hey, there is a difference because the small things matter. And absolutely yeah. correct. I, I agree with you. Um, 
But when you look at it in a big picture, right? I mean, you, you see someone on court, 300 practicing. Maybe you take 350 practicing. You see 100 on the next court practicing. There's next to nothing as far as difference goes as far as hitting the ball. Um, in terms of hitting the ball, they're, they're, you'd have to really know what you're looking at to be able to tell the difference. Right. <laughs> um, uh, but then you, if you peel the onion back a little bit more and you start to look at how they react to errors, how they react to doing something the right way, um, what their routines are even in practice, how long they sit down for, how many times they're trying to execute the same shot, the consistency that they're trying to execute the same shot. There's a lot of things that you can start to peel back and you can start to see why someone is ranked where they are. Yeah, that, that, that's good insight because, again, for someone who's just walking the practice courts around the tournaments, you're not going to know. And, and no. I mean, look, I can, take, I can take a sports friend, not a tennis friend. I could take a sports friend of mine and go to Winneka Challenger the first week of July, and they won't know the difference between 600 and, and, and 200. I mean, they're, right. it, it, they're all so good. I mean, you, you obviously know that. I don't have to yeah, tell that no, to you. For, um, for sure. But, but it's the little things, like I said, it's the very little things that do at that level that make that make the biggest difference. And it's, it's even true, you keep climbing the rankings and take someone like Dom, for example, Dom playing against Medvedev, who's four in the world, and you can break that match down to a few key moments and a few key things that didn't really necessarily have to do with, with hitting a tennis ball, but how one player reacts to a situation, how another player um, reacts to a different situation. And then you start to see little things and you start to see why guys are ranked where they are. Yep, and so much of that, I think, has to be experience as well. I mean, Medvedev has been playing in those bigger moments. Um, This was a huge occasion for Don. And to go out and play the way he did, all the credit towards him because that's that's a different arena for him than he's used to playing in. For sure. Yeah, no question, but the Dom prepares himself really well, and he, he's very diligent in how he prepares, and he he goes through things with us, and we talk with him a lot, and he, he's very he's very capable of playing at that level. Um, and again, it's just about getting him to have that belief in himself on a daily basis and, and getting him to take care of the, the really not so fun things on a, on an everyday basis that that kind of start to make a big difference in the big picture right oh for sure hey um i i, I don't want to take up too much more of your time i really really appreciate your insight i know it's the off season i know you got that beautiful florida weather you don't i, I know you don't miss being home back in illinois um this time of year here, <laughs> this time of year and i know you got a lot of golf to play but just want to say congratulations i mean you've been doing this quite a while now and uh, you've had some incredible success this year um and yeah i appreciate it thank you i'm sure it feels good and and i appreciate your time tonight and and giving your insight and best of luck enjoy the enjoy the short short off season i wish tennis uh, had a longer i think we all wish tennis had a little bit longer of an off season but enjoy it, and uh, we'll be following along you and, and all your players' success in, in 2020. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks. I'll talk to you soon, Billy. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Well, there you have it. Hope you enjoyed that Courtside with Beanless and Tennis podcast with Coach Billy Heiser. 
Loved his insight uh, when you talk about peeling back the onion of what really makes the difference between, let's say, someone 300 and someone 100, and then even going, like he said, up the rankings 100 to top 10. So hope you appreciated that. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. And stay tuned, as always, because we'll have another guest coming up on the court side with Beelance and Tennis Podcast. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Thanks, everybody. 